Hello, readers. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this is a bookin brought to you by Explore Booksellers, Aspen, Colorado's trusted community bookstore. Wherever you are in the world, it is always good to explore. My guest today is Alex Pugsley. He is a writer and filmmaker and is the winner of the Writer's Trust Journey Prize. His last book, Aubrey McKee, was the best book of 2020. His new collection is Shimmer, which is published by our friends at Biblioasis. Alex, welcome to the program. Hi, Jason. Thank you for having me on. It is an honor to have you here. And Alex, what a fantastic collection this is. Alex Pugsley, listeners, is the James Joyce of Canada. High praise, I know, but that's what we are here for. Um, Alex, this is the second book of yours I've read. I'm doing my best to expose these books to everyone that I possibly can. My question for you is, what were you doing with yourself before these books were published? Why are you just now emerging onto the literary scene? Um, that's a good question. And thank you so much for your kind words. I totally appreciate it. And I'm happy to come on this podcast anytime you want. All right. Um, what was I doing? Um, I started writing um, when I was young, uh, in my 20s. And I wrote a novel with another person, Laura McDonald. It was a novel called K Dark. And that came out with Coach House Books. And then I decided I got to write my own novel. And I wrote it three times over many years, and it just didn't work. And I found that super devastating. <laughs> Even though there were parts of it that were good, it didn't hang together. And so I got involved in filmmaking, and I started making short films. And then to pay for them, I started working in the Toronto television and film industry as a set dresser, as a props person, as a driver, as a production assistant. And then slowly I became a screenwriter from working in various roles in, in that industry. Um, and then I started working as a story editor and writer for many years. And although that was, I learned a lot. And it, there were a lot of those shows and series I really liked. And I liked the people that I worked but when you work in television, there's kind of a built-in guarantee of not 100% um, satisfaction because you don't control the show. And so while I was working on various television series, I started writing short stories and I started writing the material that became Aubrey McKee um, because I wanted to do something for me and something that made sense to me and something that also... Um, coordinated with my own sense of what was good. Uh, so that's what I was doing. I was working in television and film and then slowly thinking, trying to get enough confidence and courage to write my own stuff. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Alex. You can't and could not, uh, should not keep a great writer down. Thank goodness Biblioasis picked you up. Um, let's now dive into this fantastic collection, Shimmer. First, a question about your dedication who is the kid with the mohawk in the airport in tucson that's um yes that is a sort of a little epigraph poem that forms the dedication um, of the story collection 
Um, but I know who it is, but I want to leave that to the imagination of the reader. As as and that's kind of like a symbol. That's kind of like a symbolic moment for the whole book because the reader is going to make his or her or their own um, mind up about what who these characters are, and so that dedication is kind of opening the door to that um, activity process. Absolutely, thank you so much, Alex. Uh, the first story in this collection is titled DD at the 7-Eleven. Uh, can you tell me about the place that 7-Eleven and other sort of uh, gas station convenience shops hold in our culture? I've recently seen GoMart, a 7-Eleven offshoot, pop up in a novel by Scott McClanahan. Uh, what do these types of stores mean to us, specifically to younger folks on the cusp of adulthood? Um, that's a good question. I think, I mean, when I was a kid, and that's based on moments in my own adolescence, I think when you're a kid, what are your sort of zones of, uh, of activity? There's school, there's your home, um, there's the great outdoors, but then there are also malls uh, where kids go to interact. And then in rural communities, if you don't have access to the mall, um, there are places like the 7-Eleven or the Dunkin' Donuts um, where teenagers can go and use that as a kind of a jumping off point for the rest of the evening. But they have a kind of, um, they become a kind of space where people can interact and then also Try to figure out. I think one of the things you're doing when you're 15 years old is you're trying to figure out who you are and who you're going to be. And places like 7-Eleven are kind of a platform for that kind of um, ideation. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting uh, to see now that shopping malls are dying, uh, where kids begin together going forward. If like stores like 7-Eleven. Um, are elevated or if like coffee shops or something else become the spot uh, we will see well thank you Alex there's a scene in this story where a girl is licking the protagonist's hand to try to get into a club uh, what's going on here that is the the narrator of Beauty at the 7-Eleven is a kid named Beeper and Beeper's not like a bossy bullying kind of kid he's more like a He's funny, but he's a little bit timid, and he remembers things. Um, he's probably also not as big as other 15-year-olds. So he's remembering Dee Dee, who he has kind of a crush on, although his friend is, seems to be going out with Dee Dee. He's not sure what the relationship status. So when I was a kid, to get into a dance, when you pay to get in, you got a stamp, like a you know, on the back of your hand. And sometimes if you lick, if you could transfer that stamp by licking the other person's, um, the back of their hand and then pressing your stamp hand to it to make it look like you also have a stamp so you don't have to pay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense to me. And I, I 
did similar things myself when I was growing up. You're giving me um, memories of Tremont Music Hall in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, but I'm not sure that some of our younger listeners are familiar um, with this concept, especially folks that have grown up in the COVID era where you're not getting in, into anywhere. With that, that's totally true. That, you know, there are details in that story which mark it as, you know, from being many years ago. Also, the kids don't have cell phones. Yeah. Um, in other stories in the collection, I should say to the list to your listeners that the stories uh, pop around quite a bit in in time and place. Uh, so that story is sort of in Atlantic Canada in the 1970s or 80s. Other mm. stories happen in Los Angeles, and there it happens in like 2018. Um, so. Yeah, the stories do jump around quite a bit in, in space and time. Right on. Thank you. And speaking of cell phones, Alex, uh, your second story before the after party opens with someone speaking into a flip phone. Um, when did this story take place? Why a flip phone? And outside of the context of this story, what assumptions would one make about a person today in 2022? If they pull their phone out of their pocket and it is a flip phone. Well, that story happens in 2007, 2008, just before the big, the big crash, the big correction in the stock market. Um, so there was a moment in the years leading up to that where people in the media industry were very confident and they talked as if they knew everything. And one of the characters in that story, Gary, does talk as if he knows everything about marketing. Um, and he's, he's sort of put in his place by Twyla. But yeah, the, that flip phone marks it as in, in the time before the big correction of 2008. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I still like flip phones. I'm still quite fond of them. Um, you know, smartphones are like little mini um, tablet computers. And everyone's always reading them. And so I have a kind of fond nostalgia for, for flip phones when people just use them to make a phone call. Yeah, I have a good friend who um, has a flip phone. And I think he does it because he knows if he gets a smartphone that he will be looking at it all the time. And I, just, I'm sure I would be uh, yeah. all the time. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Alex. Um, before we head into our break, we're going to listen uh, to an excerpt from your novel. Um, do you want to set this recording up for us? Sure. Um, characters in this collection uh, shimmer in and out of the stories. So a character that we meet in before the after party, Lila, is given um, her own story uh, later on in the story collection. And it's called simply Twyla. Um, when the audiobook was recorded, because so many of the stories are about women and girls, I thought it would be a good idea to have a female actor do those stories. So Fiona Hyatt um, recorded Twyla, and we're going to hear, and Twyla is about a woman who's trying out psychotherapy for the first time. So we're going to hear the beginning of, I think, her third session of psychotherapy. Great. Thank you, um, Alex. We will listen to that clip now. And then we will take a break, and I will be right back with Alex Pugsley. Twyla. I think we're living in the golden age of fuck off. I really do. What the fuck even matters anymore? Because let me ask you a question. 
and I'm curious about this. When you talk to your other patients, who all look fucking crazy, by the way, I've seen them in the lobby futzing with their Kleenex, and how you even talk to those freaks is beyond me. It's called personal hygiene, people. But how many of your patients are just fed up with the rest of the world? Because you know on your laptop, the X that appears in the corner of pop-up screens? I just want one of those, but for other people. So I can click on the X and they disappear and go back into the darkness. Do you know what I mean, though? What is with people? I fucking hate this week. These remarks are coming toward the end of a third appointment with Dr. C.A. Simons, the third of an agreed-upon trial of six sessions of psychotherapy. And Twyla, the young woman speaking, dressed today in a black sheer blouse, pencil skirt, and ankle boots, is just now staring at herself in the mirror on the wall opposite, or not staring so much as frowning. Her expression is that of someone who can't quite determine why something looks, as she might say, a little off. She fluffs her bangs. She scrunches her nose. Then, impulsive, she shifts herself on the sofa so she can no longer see her reflection. In the chair opposite Twyla, Dr. Simons looks at her inquisitively, as if awaiting further details. Oh, says Twyla, it's nothing. It's just I never look good in that mirror, and it drives me crazy, but whatever. Dr. Simons crosses her legs at the knee and positions her notebook on her lap. You were talking about your week. What happened this week? Oh, you know, my dad's in the hospital, my relationship's in limbo, I hate all my friends, the usual. I think I want to move somewhere where I won't be bothered by other people's lives. Twyla watches Dr. Simons jot down a note. But I need to ask you something. What's that? Do you think I care too much what people think? The Book and Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore, Quail Ridge Books. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of Bookin can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter Bookin, B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'm back with Alex Pugsley, the author of Shimmer, which is published by our friends at Biblioasis. Speaking of friends, Alex, what is the friends drinking game? Oh, there is a friends drinking game that's referred to in Before the After Party. And I think it's a series of phrases that whenever one of the characters says them, you take a drink. Um, I can't remember right now what the different catchphrases are um, for the friends drinking game. But yeah, that's, that's what that character is referring to. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds uh, fun and dangerous. Um, in this story uh, before the after party, 
Someone states that they would prefer uh, watching the porn channel in their hotel room to pursuing a relationship because it is less complicated. Uh, Do you feel like the easy access to pornography in the modern era is hurting relationships and potential marriages, etc.? Or are there positive connotations or both? That's a that's a great question. I know I'm not that much of a social philosopher. Um, that man who's talking about that is kind of doing that as a way of, hey, look, I'm going to be really honest. Look how candid I can be because he's talking to a woman and he's trying to impress her and he's trying to um, look like he's this sensitive, candid person. It's up to the reader to decide if if it's real or not. Um, what do I think about? Well, I I have friends who are stand-up comedians, and that one of the big things that they talk about is, you know, when they first began, you could not mention sexuality and pornography at all because you would turn off all the women in the audience, and they would instantly check out. And these these were straight male comedians, and they said. Now it's completely who cares. You know, you can that can be your material, and it and people don't really bat an eye. Uh, and that's a big sea change, I think. And and I think you know, learning how to be open and learning how to talk about many things, including sexuality and pornography, I think is is very important. Um, and so all the repressions that many of us grew up with are not really a factor. Other things are, um, but yeah, I'd have to really think about that um, and to and give to give you a terrific and and closely thought um, answer. But I do think that we are in the midst of great change, and you know this goes back to smartphones and the internet. I'm just not sure. Not all of that change seems to be positive, and I don't know if we if we understand exactly how things have changed, but we are in the midst of it. Thank you, Alex. As an aside about your friends who are uh, stand-up comedians, are they back to doing stand-up now, and what did they do um, over COVID when everything was closed to kind of hone their craft? Do you know? Yes, they they did things like what we're doing. They did a lot of online performance. Um, now here in Canada, mask mandates are gone. And so are, you don't have to have vaccination proof. So live shows are happening again. Um, but yeah, for about two years, a lot of comedians just did online stuff. Or, or, or they did podcasts or they released um, comedy albums. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and my friend Travis Haywisher um, released a book with $2 Radio about naming your child, which was very, very funny. Um, well, thank you, Alex. Again, um, to continue in this story for one more moment before the after party, your character utters this line, and I want to know what this phrase means to you. And that phrase is, quote, for once in your fucked up Courtney love life. Uh, that's Twyla. Twyla is kind of a frustrated stand-up comedian. She's mm-hmm. always looking for um, verbal play and pun. So she's really saying, for once in your fucked up love life, 
but she's throwing in Courtney because, well, it's of that time, 2000. Courtney Love was very much in the in the news in 2007, 2008. Um, so. And also, I think she's something of a symbolic figure for our culture. Uh, but yes, that's Twyla looking for uh, to make a joke, even if it doesn't quite work. Thank you, Alex. Um, I do want to say about Courtney Love that something that surprised me, you know, I grew up listening to Nirvana, etc. And Courtney Love and that um, narrative with Kurt Cobain has always been kind of demonized, but I was fortunate enough to, um, are you going to talk about Mark? What's that? Are you going to talk about that guy, Mark? Uh, Mark Lanigan. Um, yeah. 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 So I was able to interview him before he passed away. Uh, Mark Lanigan, the singer for the Screaming Trees. And um, I was surprised to learn that she has been funding, um, you know, His rehab. Yeah. His and all kinds of other musicians. I, I mean, that's what I thought too. I mean, I, think that it's unfair how people think of her yeah. and it's it's just kind of a knee-jerk oh the it's the evil girlfriend trope um but yes when i learned that i, I mean it might have been through listening to to your to this podcast mm -hmm. but when mark lanigan said that the reason he went through rehab is because courtney loved Keith. Mm -hmm. how, how often has she done stuff like that that people are not paying attention to yeah, and she's not publicizing it, so she's obviously doing it to help, and I think that that speaks a lot towards uh, her character. Um, well, thank you, Alex. Uh, I want to move on and now talk about the story, uh, The Best Fuck in Laurel Canyon. And one thing that I love about your writing, Alex, is the little details about the characters that really bring them to life. Uh, the protagonist of this story, Samantha, keeps Marlboro ultralights in a refrigerator. Alex, what kind of person smokes ultralight cigarettes and why keep them in the fridge? That was based on the time when I lived in Los Angeles uh, and I was living in Laurel Canyon and a lot of actresses smoke, but they don't want people to know. And they kind of play a game with themselves that they're not really serious smokers, that they're only casual smokers. Um, and so if they're only casual smokers, then they probably will only smoke a pack of cigarettes every three weeks. Um, and so cigarettes go stale and one of the, so they get used to keeping them in the fridge, even though they're probably smoking more than a pack every three weeks. Um, yeah, but it's, it's a way to keep yourself thin if you're an actor. I mean, going back to the friends thing, I think a lot of those actresses did smoke. I don't know if they continue to smoke. Right. Yeah. I've just, um, I appreciate what Marlboro was trying to do with those. I just always found the concept of ultralight cigarettes to be a little bit funny. Um, I was trying to think of something to compare them to and like non-alcoholic beer is not the right comparison, but um, I'll think of something at some juncture, but next Alex, um, I want to talk about, ordinary love song and i'm hoping that you can tell our listeners about the formatting of this story and why you chose to tell this story in the way that you did um thanks jason almost all of the stories in shimmer are scenes if they're conversations between two people whether it's teenagers waiting at the 7-eleven or two movie stars in laurel canyon trying to figure out 
if they're going to continue with their love affair. Um, but it's they're all told as dramatic scenes, except for ordinary love songs. Um, and I debated about including it, but then I thought, oh yeah, just put it in. There, there's something fun in that story, and readers have responded to it. The format of ordinary love songs is a college student um, late at night looking at a guitar tablature's website, trying to get the guitar tabs for a song he's just heard. Um, he posts a question and leaves it on the site and a young woman responds, who turns out to also be living in Toronto. Um, so they strike up a correspondence online and then it turns out that they have friends in common um, and then they start getting involved romantically. But the whole story is told through the exchange of their emails. Um, so, and then at the end of the story, uh, one of them posts um, their version of what they think the guitar tabs are for the song. And I'll also throw this in. When we did the audiobook, we actually did a performance of the song. I played guitar and I got a vocalist to sing it uh, because I thought, how can I? I can't really explain, I can't read out the tabs, so I'll do a performance of the song. Yeah, that's great. I was going to ask if you played guitar because I did pick up um, my guitar and play the tabs when I was reading the story. Um, and along those lines, Alex, have um, do you know how to play or have you attempted to play Let Down by Radiohead, which is one of the songs mentioned in this um, story? I think, I think that's an incredibly gorgeous, I think that's one of the best things that that band did. Um, and I don't know if the, the picking pattern is, it, 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 that's what makes it that how cool it is, or one of the reasons. But I don't think it's actually that difficult to learn. I haven't tried to learn it, but I thought it would be something that uh, Byron, the male, the, the dude in that story, would really, really like and want to figure out. And it's a way of procrastinating because he's supposed to be studying for his uh, GMAT. Yeah, it, it is a kind of a difficult song because it's kind of in like the guitars playing in um, one time signature and the rest of the song is doing another, but like the, the notes are spaced so widely on the neck that you kind of have to stretch your hand to the max. Oh, okay. Okay, good. So I'm glad that it is difficult. Yeah. That, that it makes sense then. Yeah, sure does. Um, well, thank you, Alex. And finally, uh, you alluded to this a little bit earlier, Alex, but all of these stories are uh, somewhat thematically tied together or tied together even with some of the same characters. Um, your stories tend to end with someone either falling in or out of love. Um, why did you choose the specific narrative arc for these stories in Shimmer? Um, yeah, I think you're the first person to mention that. The stories are about relationships that are beginning um, or relationships that might be experiencing some difficulty. Um, it's about moments, I guess that goes back to the title of the collection too. It's about when people, it's about moments that shimmer between two people. And sometimes uh, people are in sync and both lights are on. And then sometimes maybe one of the lights starts to go out. But yes, uh, it's almost, well, it's true. Every single story is about moments of connection between two people. 
Um, and sometimes, as many of us know, then sometimes things go great and sometimes things don't go so great. Absolutely. Thank you, Alex. Um, and thank you for writing this wonderful collection. I'm so excited to share it with our listeners and our customers at our bookstores. And um, I believe this is the first collection I've read with a story with guitar tablature. So thank you for making it interactive as well. Um, I'm psyched you came on. I loved reading your book. I cannot wait for the next one. Listeners, I have been speaking with Alex Pugsley, author of Shimmer, which is published by our friends at Biblioasis. Alex, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Jason. It's always a pleasure. Once again, I would like to thank Alex Pugsley for joining me. Copies of Shimmer can be purchased from www.explorebooksellers.com. I would also like to thank our sponsors, Quail Ridge Books and Libro FM Audiobooks. Please navigate over to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space to get one free audiobook and support your favorite local independent bookstore in the process. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this has been Bookin'.